Welcome to the Weathervane Podcast. I'm Brian McTeer from Weathervane Music, here again with former Shaking Through producer and director Peter English. Uh, Peter and I recorded these conversations back in early 2014, and we're here sharing them with you now, partially in anticipation of Peter's forthcoming new endeavor, which Peter will tell us about right now. That's right, Brian. I will tell you about it right now. Uh, I've been working on a podcast. It's a narrative journalism podcast called The Long Play, which is an inside look at the music business and what it takes to make your passion your career. And uh, when are we going to hear this podcast? When is this coming out? Fall 2015. Fall 2015. You heard it here. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Today's conversation is with Alec Ownsworth of Clap Your Hands, Say Yeah. Now, these guys are actually celebrating 10 years since the release of their first record, which was groundbreaking, honestly, which was groundbreaking for the fact that Alec managed to promote it through MySpace, if you remember MySpace, and sell nearly half a million copies through a distribution deal he made directly with the distributor. Exactly. And that, and that's, that was unheard of. That was absolutely unheard of in 2005. Um, and since, Alec, you know, has produced many records. He's toured and played thousands of shows and, uh, and and now more recently he's found you know a new love in in playing living room concerts playing uh, as close as he can to and with his audience which I think is is really beautiful yeah it's a cool conversation you know we really reflect on how he's navigated the last 10 years and where he feels like he's going and and it's a really fun talk so let's have a listen you to talk so so first off we're here with Alec Ownsworth from Clap Your Hands Say Yeah, and it's myself and my business partner Brian, and we're looking out over Philadelphia, and we're gonna talk a little bit with Alec about. Uh, I want to talk with you about. I want to start with talking about your your career and sort of how you viewed it from the inside, mainly you know from a from a very technical sort of uh, music strategy and business sort of way because I know you have that's on your mind pretty constantly sure maybe even more now than it was then okay Um, I think uh, it could only be viewed as a surprise to everyone that it took off so quickly yeah Um, people talk about there being some sort of uh, I mean uh, you know what I would stress is that we were just talking about this a second ago, but what I would stress is that we had to do everything the way the bands do them to start out, or used to anyway, traditionally, uh, to do everything. Which is what? Um, to play live shows, to play, I think, what I was mentioning was that, you know, we, we would play three live shows a month, thereabouts and as many as we possibly could book right. wherever we could play them <clears throat> how uh, long were you doing that before for about a year okay uh maybe more and um this is what this is the big misconception i think about how we we started uh we built it all before we even had a record we were playing we were headlining shows at mercury lounge and i think maybe even bowery or you know how'd that happen <clears throat> We just kept playing just constantly, yeah. and um, we made an EP, and we got the word out a little bit with that, and um, I guess people found something novel in the sound, yeah. um, which led to it uh, picking up just everywhere else. I mean, in a way, we were almost 
it's almost different than today. We were almost complimented by staying a bit out of the way of all the chatter and letting people make up the uh, <clears throat> the. They just made it up, like made the story up for themselves, you know. So by that, by the record, by the time the record came out, um, it just kind of it got carried away. Yeah, you know. Was that? Was that? I mean, I guess that's like always one's dream to have that kind of thing happen was that what you were intending when that happened were you thrilled when that happened not really uh well for one thing i t- i tend to call things experiments and exercises i mean i take them seriously um but i i take them all seriously but i do think that doing that first record it was the first album i ever made it was the first band i ever assembled um, How old were you when that happened? Twenty five, okay. probably twenty four, twenty five, and um, I think that I think that at the time I was hoping for some people to come to the shows uh, to be able to. I didn't even I didn't even have any aspirations to tour around the country, yeah, let alone around the world. Um, so I think it happened. I, you know, I wasn't trying to sabotage anything, but. I do recall um, when things picked up, everybody around me suggesting that this is what you had, this was the goal, this is what you have to do. You have to go to X, Y, and Z and, and, um, because, this is, because you're really successful now and this is what it means to be successful. Well, what do you, what do you mean you have to go to? Like, what are some examples? Well, different parts of the world to play shows. I, I, I liked the idea of of uh I still had this sort of fantasy that it would be um I'd just be working from home and doing studio recordings and if people liked it then they'd pick up on it but I didn't actually have to go there and I think the only reason I really did and the reason why I still do is because there's a sense of obligation to connect with people on a direct level I would not I would prefer it if uh you know Tom Waits made a record and I were able to have the opportunity, at least, to see him live. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's a nice gesture on his part <laughs> to, to share to, that. To share that, yeah. Um, I, I think even more today than, than back then is it important to make that connection. Right. But that's the only reason I really did. I never really aspired to be <clears throat> a, a rock and roll. A road warrior. Musician. Yeah. You know, it wasn't. It wasn't necessarily in the cards for me. I just figured I was making an album. And part of the process was to play live shows. And part of that was to figure out which songs worked and which didn't, you know. Right. Huh. So so things go well, right? What is the how how quick would you view like if we're gonna call it the ascent? <laughs> if that's if that's a fair word, how quickly does that happen? Well, you know, if you're keeping in mind that we did play for every year. Right on our own without um, too many people paying attention. I mean, I remember uh, we tried to go to South by Southwest. It was still um, pretty viable back then. and uh, <laughs> That's a whole other topic. We'll get around to that. <laughs> I don't know. It might be now. I, I'm not really part of that world. But yeah. I, I think we did try, and we sent them our EP, and we didn't have too many people reviewing our live shows at the time. So I remember we made up a bunch of fake 
newspapers where it's, it's like really? the Brooklyn Times or something like that says that these guys are the best thing since sliced bread and uh, they didn't buy it so we didn't go <laughs> and <laughs> anyway so my point is though yeah. we were trying to make some headway yeah. using the traditional you know avenues that that everybody uses that and trying to find a label etc cetera, etc cetera. Yeah. Um, and and but at the same time, keep it along uh, as any band would, you know, playing right. live shows and trying to do it that way. Um, and then when we released the record by ourselves, and I'd say probably August or September of 2004, um, we realized that the demand was such that uh, people just naturally, they, they naturally gravitated to the band. And that, that had everything to do with everything kind of like, building of its right. own volition right. um, and the national we happened to play a show with them at yeah. the Mercury Lounge um, a couple months before we released yeah. the album <clears throat> and we got along and um, and I got a call from one of those guys to play a tour and mm. it's still it surprised me at the time the idea of uh, going from one city to another around the country really <laughs> I'm supposed to go we're supposed to <laughs> You know, we, so we had to quickly buy a van yeah. and all of that stuff hmm. and try to figure out what this meant. Okay, so that's how you used to tour in the past. But I yeah. understand you're doing things a little bit differently now. Tell us about that. Uh, playing at people's houses in their living rooms. Okay. Uh, living room shows. Um, and, and so you just grab your car and you drive yeah, around? Yeah, yeah, I'm putting around in my Prius. <laughs> Around the country, and it's great. I, I love it. And what is what's a like? So, what does a tour involve? Like, what? How many shows are you doing? How many people are you playing for? I think all told, in three separate legs, with uh, ten days off between one and two, and two weeks off between two and three. Um, I am playing forty shows. Okay, and. Uh, I am playing for a maximum of 60 people a night. So it's somewhere between 40 and 60. So in, in 30 shows or 40 shows, yeah. uh, you're playing to about 2,500 people. Yeah, thereabouts, roughly, yeah. very roughly. But I, I mean, it's usually, yeah, usually, you're right. On average, it's somewhere, yeah, it's somewhere, yeah, it's between 40 and 60 in any case. And uh, So whereas you could... <laughs> You could easily play for 2,500 people in one night. There's something special. There's something added about playing to smaller groups of them yeah, at, at any one time. Yeah, I mean, I mean to be honest, I'd rather not play for... That's another thing not that I've, for what? I've discovered. Well, I discovered early on, play for 2,500 people. No. Well, no. Explain, why, explain why there's something that you like about... Smaller shows, smaller shows. in general. I mean, <clears throat> I don't... I don't uh, I don't not do a bigger show. I think there is something to it that's different than the smaller show. But what I like about the smaller show is that um, it it is set up to bridge the gap between the audience and the uh, and the musician. And to me, more now that now more than ever, that is that is a necessary thing. That what are you finding be, when you when you go out and you play to these people like that? Uh, I mean. Uh, for a while, if you if you go around on tour on a bigger tour and uh, you find that it's, I think it's just desperately lonely. You don't know, 
you don't know who anybody is. Your, your impression of a city is, um, <clears throat> does that Starbucks differ from the one, <laughs> the one in the last city? Uh, so, I mean, it's very alienating. It's very isolating to do a bigger tour. For this, it's more like that direct connection. I know what people are up to. What right. I, uh, I played in New Albany, Indiana, Indiana to uh, to a, s- a small crowd. Um, uh, and someone's house. The owner, yeah, the owner of the house. Uh, he he must have been in his early twenties. And he took me into his little home studio, his little project studio, and played me some of his record. I just sat there on the couch, and we just—he was a big fan, and I, we just kind of hung out. And I told him what I thought, and it's awesome. Yeah, and and that to me is great to see. Like, I, it's not just for him; it's for me. I want to know what people are up to, and yeah. I get a really, you know, yeah, you can't do that close take. Can't do that when you just played in front of. A thousand people. No, no. You're not going to go back to a thousand people's houses and. <laughs> the best you can do is go out to the merch table and take some photographs and autographs. But there are people often waiting, and you know it's it's. Uh, right. You know, I, I I like to see everybody. I like to actually have a conversation rather than here's your autograph and I'll see you later. There's somebody waiting. You know what I yeah. mean? That sort of thing. So. Yeah, that's cool. That was in Albany uh, or New what? Albany, Indiana, just outside of Louisville. Kentucky. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and that happens over and over again. And I have these connections. I have people, I must have 10 to 15 phone numbers of people's houses where right. I just met them and I just stayed over. They seemed like nice people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, right. Or, you know, I've, I hang out with people. I go to brunch with them the next day. I, you know, they give me recommendations of places to go between, uh, you know, Amarillo and Phoenix or something like that. You know? yeah. And uh and I and I go there. Yeah. So to sort of fast forward, so you keep you keep going, things things go well. Um where did you feel like you were so you mean we go and we can sort of fast forward over a, a number of years just because I want to circle back to what you're doing now and I sort of want to ch- I I'm I'm trying to give that context. For why you're, you know, you saying like, this is a whole new way for me to think about things. I sort of finally feel like I'm starting to figure out how I want to engage with people. Yeah. Did you really feel like the more you tried the standard options, it was working out less and less? Like, what was going on over the last couple of years? It just got dry. It's just, yeah. it just got dull to me, and right. I can't, I, I can't fake <clears throat> things on yeah. stage. You know, I, I can't. I can't go up there and be dishonest, which is why I had to put an end to the long tours because I couldn't pretend to be engaged and right. I didn't feel that that was fair for anybody who was showing up. I mean, right. you can't you can't ask somebody to pay $25 or 20 or whatever it is per ticket and then show up and just kind of phone it in. It just doesn't... Right. Uh, but the nature of the tours, the way these tours were set up early on, it was like, oh, well, let's just do five weeks here, take five days off and do another five weeks. Yeah, or you recover in five days, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. And I remember very vividly, actually, coming back from Europe, um, having five days and playing at the TLA mm. and collapsing in the dressing room. I was hoarse the entire show. Mm. 
And the audience didn't seem to care. I mean, it, it mm. seemed like it was all right. They still asked us back out for an encore and all that stuff. But I thought that that was not fair to anyone. I felt like that was a low point in a way. <laughs> yeah, I mm. definitely do. Mm. And it was funny at the beginning when everybody was, the suggestion was that we should be a, on top of the world. I remember for the most part, I definitely was not. <laughs> mm. But Right. Yeah. Right. So... And you felt in some ways that there was, so there's the sort of like the the scheduling of the tour. There's sort of like the, the logistics, the sort of like what it yeah. makes it do to you. But then there's also, I mean, because there's also the philosophical thing, which you're sort of blowing apart by doing these these living room tours, is, is the distance. Yeah. Right? I mean, is that part of the thing that you also sort of like, were you philosophically becoming uncomfortable with? Sure. I mean, I would never have thought then that it right. was possible to do that now. And uh or to do that then. and um, But I do think that, yeah, philosophically, you know, I wasn't directly against it or anything like right. that. I do think that there is value to a live show, even on a bigger level. But I do believe that um, it, w- it was the dishonest dishonesty of, right. you know, I like to put all of myself into a show. And if I just can't, if I know that my voice, even for these living room shows, if I know that my voice isn't as strong as it could be, it it messes with me yeah. from the yeah from like the the first song. I I do one song to start things out to see what the room's like. Yeah, it's a particular song that I can do. I can go low and high, really belt and really get quiet, and so I can see what you know because I don't have any sound check or anything like that. Right, so I can right. see what the how hard I'm gonna have to go how much of if I'm going to be able to pick or if I can if to strum the whole thing, et cetera, et cetera. Feeling and out the it's volume warm of up. the room. Yeah. And so, like, for me, I also to see how ragged my voice is, and I cap, not only do we cap these at 60 people, but I also make it that I go for less than three weeks at a time. I mean, I could right. have gone out to San Francisco and just kept going all the way back across, but I flew back for two weeks and now I'm right. going to go back out. So. Well, and I, I mean, I, this is what I think about too, as we talk about sort of like the larger macroeconomic things going on, of sort of like the money's not in recorded music, it's now in touring. There's going to be a lot of economic pressures for you to go on never ending tours. Yeah. And so your job as a musician, if you want to play the long haul, which, you know, you and everyone else should be is to find out what works for you. Right. And I, you know, my, uh, my booking agent probably wouldn't want to hear this, but (laughs) he's not listening. I don't, (laughs) I don't, um, yeah, I don't see it being, uh, you know, long tour after long tour and really pounding away for like 250 days of the year or anything like that. I mean, one, it's never really been that way. I I think I learned that pretty early on. And, uh, I mean, how much do you really... I remember part of the philosophy early on was just grab at every opportunity. And I think that's just a, a flat-out mistake. It just doesn't mm. It doesn't make any sense. How much do you need? Like, how much... I mean, I realize that things go in waves. It's, it's cyclical. You, if you're hitting at a certain time and the audience is really giving you its attention, it doesn't last forever. But that's not exactly the audience I'm going for. I'm going for the people who are mm. coming to these shows and people's houses and sort and so those are the ones 
uh, it's like a friend that you have who right. has a, you have you have strong friends or you have acquaintances and you can go for you know years without talking to somebody like this guy this my psychologist friend in New Hampshire and pick up and be right b- back where you were when you come back together um other people need like constant nurturing but i've never been <laughs> never been a constant nurturer no i've never it's either yeah it's either people i see you know from time to time and but usually the strong friends like those are the people who keep coming back or i'll keep coming back to them and it's just as if no no time had passed you know and i mean this is going back to brian what you were talking about before and this is a thing that we talk about all the time you know, you have, so let's say you're having a birthday party. You have a choice. Do you want 50 friends that you sort of know? Or do you want to have like 12 friends over for dinner who are your best friends in the world? And, uh, you know, those are two different models for how to throw a party. Those are two different sure. models for how to have a career in music or in art. That's exactly right. I mean, some people are more comfortable with more people right. around. I, right. I am not one of them. Right. So. right. so the question, so so the living room tour in some ways is that, 12 person model. Yeah. That's that like, I want these strong ties and I want to nurture them and I want to go to where they are. Right. I want to be in their houses. I want to relate to them personally because they're the ones who connect with what yeah. I do. Yeah. Really I mean, every so often you gather up the energy to, uh, and the, you know, the interest in, right. in organizing the bigger party, um, right. for, you know, for the live, the live shows. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily call myself like a, a ring leader in that in that sense. Right. I mean, I'm more comfortable. That's another thing about the living room shows. When I was playing bigger shows, I remember playing Hammerstein Ballroom for several thousand people in New York uh, for New Year's Eve, and I was supposed to do the countdown and all that jazz. And, yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, I mean, like, Anybody who knows me knows that I'm not exactly, you know, yeah, my New Year's Eve that. shows yeah. would probably be, or my New Year's Eve's would, I probably would have been at home. I remember I used right. to sit out on the railroad tracks above uh, Crash and Valley Drive with my brother for New Year's and we'd like right. drink a couple beers. Yeah. That was it. That was, was like the, you know, yeah. like the crazy the wild, The wild yeah. Alec years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> Uh, so in other words, I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. I do. I certainly appreciate it. And I know that if this gives people, um, it's exciting for me to do any show anyway, but I know that if this gives people this like passion and this energy then I'm, I'm, I'm down for it. But I, I would definitely say I'm more of a 12 person party. That's right. whatever. That's where I was going. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I get it. And I, that, again, that's not to knock. This isn't a judgment on how you do it. Yeah. But so my follow-up question to that, and this is, Brian, where I, I know you have lots of thoughts about this, is the current model is for a functioning career in music yeah. is the part is the 30-person, 50-person party model. Sure, yeah. How do you make that living room tour 12-person party metaphor, how do you make that work for you? How does that... How do you scale it? Not even how you scale... I mean, I don't even know if scale is the right word, but how do you make that... Like, how does this work for you in keeping your career going, oh. even from a purely, lo- like, logistical, financial, you know, like... Th- we're oh, talking about, like, a different way other. of thinking about... 
Well, one is one is one, and one. I mean, right. I play the same songs. I rework them in a, right. in a living room setting, so I can try to incorporate certain parts that uh, that might be lost by virtue of the fact that I don't have you know six arms or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> and um, so you know, I approach one thing as one thing, and one thing is something right. entirely different. What um, about from a business standpoint? I guess I'm asking. Oh, that sort of seems to be. I mean, I like not even from a creative standpoint, from a business standpoint, because that is not how people think about. I, I, I what you're doing right now, like to me, is opening a door to a different way of looking at yeah a sustainable, successful career in music. Oh, and so I'm actually. Yeah. I'm wondering what that looks like for you and whether you've, you know, how that's working and what you're, you're dealing with, with that, you know? Oh, um, the expenses are lower. The expenses. Yeah. The the overheads much lower. Um, yeah. I mean, I, it's not like the potential for expansion is not entirely there by virtue Mm. of the fact that we cap it at 60 people every night, even if there's more interest, that's what Mm -hmm. we do. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's you know it's modest you know what you're right. you ver- for the most part you know what you're getting right out of any given tour and I like that I mean it actually gives to me it gives me a little sense of stability and security in an, in an entirely unstable uh, career <laughs> right right uh, so I mean mm. I just I know that but it's it's more like. But it's not gonna it's not gonna lift me into the upper echelon or anything like that. It's Are you trying financial. to be lifted into the upper echelon? Uh no, no, I'm not. Right. Um so I, but I don't know, it's it works for me. It might not for everybody else. Just like, you know, yeah. a three hundred capacity show, uh that works for me too. Um right. and uh, the, and from the beginning it worked for me. But it doesn't necessarily work for everybody else, right? And I, and I don't like I don't look at this as a judgment on how any people want to build their careers. But I do feel like there's some sort of idea that there's a right way to build it and a wrong way to build it because yeah. there's really only kind of one playbook going on right now because we kind of had to throw them all out, right? In the last ten or fifteen years, yeah, that's true. And so you know, you saying again, like what you value is stability, and what you value is uh, deeper, authentic connection. Uh, those are values that are not, I feel like, on the top of people's brains when it comes to making music or enjoying music. You know what I mean? And yeah. that or is promoting what promoting a career in music, you know? right? And I find that really admirable, and I find that really, I think that's worthy of clarifying. I want to say that out loud. I yeah. want to say it. I like to hear you say it because that's not. Um, I think it's clear in talking to you how satisfied, how yeah. satisfying you find that, and how rewarding you find that. And how you're oh you're it's not even like you're okay with not doing more. You're actually doing what you want. Yeah, you know. And there's some sort of pressure for you to like, you know, have a mansion and make it. It's like there's something you're supposed to be aiming for, and anything less of that is failure. And what I hear you sort of saying is like, I actually feel well. Yeah, if this is working for me. If you start from the point of view that you'd be happy making records in a basement somewhere, right, (laughs) for the rest of your life. It's pretty easy to uh, right. to be more or less comfortable right. with whatever comes your way, you right. know. So long as you can, you know, sustain that basement mentality, or the or basement mentality, or yeah. you know, or you know, make sure you can pay the rent on it, right? right. <laughs> Low as it might be, um, sure, you know. But yeah, I think that that's that's the idea. Some guys are 
Uh, some guys, it depends on what world you're in, really. But I think that for me, um, for me, that's uh, you know, I, I can live with having this much, and and that's fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But you have to you have to try to be smart, and literally, you really have to try to, you know not spend anything in the meantime it's kind of crazy how frugal we all need to be um well it's funny that you almost have to like apologize for like modesty or i feel like you know it's like that and i find actually really weird that i'm saying that and i'm thinking that of like that's not i guess considered culturally like noble but i mean as even if even if you find that to be the case if you're in our world right you'll learn soon enough. <laughs> it doesn't matter what level. I mean, you know, I, again, like I know some guys who are are playing big shows, probably making a lot of money, and they're constantly, they're, we talked about this, they're, they're watching themselves uh, as if they were beginning uh, to mm. a large degree. I mean, From you know, you'll make certain, point. yeah. Have to, every, there's nothing stable, nothing <laughs> Everything, yeah, every investment I make is just that. It's a positive investment. I make no investments that are just like, I'm just going to do this for the, and like piss away this amount of money because right. because I can. Right. Uh, never, like, will I right. do that. <laughs> right, good. It's always something, this yeah. will lead to something else. Or, you know, again, we were, you know, we were talking about a console or building a studio, but that, while it didn't succeed, what it was in mind was that, that would cut overhead for we'd make all of our records out of here, and that right. would, you know, it would pay for itself over time and eventually reach a positive return, and right. et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's the way I look at things, yes. you know. So right, yeah. Um, I've got a my Hummer might be uh, illegally parked. Yeah. <laughs> Speak, sorry. <laughs> did we feel like? Did we cover some of the like living room, like the community versus? Do you have more? Do you have any more stories? Actual stories from the shows, like the talking about actual, the people you, oh, you, from the living you know, room, listening shows. to the guy's record afterwards. You know, like, yeah. You know, like, do you have names of people and people's houses, or like, is there like a little bit of like? Yeah. You know, um, let me think. Well, Ryan, uh, Ryan Bunch, and Mel uh, in Toledo, Toledo. Who's been to Toledo? Either of you, have you guys been no. to Toledo? And even from our point of view, right. we wouldn't think very much of it. I was wearing the shirt until I. They, I have a T-shirt. It's uh, Toledo. Um, what is the slogan? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, it's a great slogan. God, I don't know why I can't remember. Very successful slogan. Yeah, <laughs> that you can't remember. Yeah. I don't know how successful it is. Yeah. It's just one of those, you know, Cleveland, you've got to be tough. Yeah. Uh, or or at least we're not Detroit is what they say when we're, when we're in <laughs> Cleveland. But, um, damn. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> Bellingham, Washington, the city of subdued excitement. We were talking a little bit about this last time, right? Subdued excitement. In any case, uh, Ryan Bunch and Mel. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to make of Toledo coming in and – Ryan's house. I stay at Ryan's house. He asks me when I come in, and he's he's got a very nice, sort of stately Victorian mansion. He's not. He's an artist. He's a writer. It's not Victorian mansions. Don't go for very much in Toledo. Uh, right. How did you find him? By the way? 
my manager okay. uh, sets up the shows, and it gotcha. looked like a reasonable living room, I think. And it's because he's a fan, and he made himself yeah. available to do this? Yeah, yeah. So did you put out And that's word? the way it is for all of the shows. Right, yeah. okay. We did on, on Facebook and on our email list, and we, we sort of um, base uh, acceptance on uh, how it lines up around right. the country. Right. Um, anyway, so he asks me, we well, hit it off right away. He's great, and uh, he asks me if I if I need a place to stay, and I say sure. You know, I <laughs> I don't mind. Uh, but I he went, he took me on a whirlwind tour. We were doing like three sixties in the parking lot at one point later that night uh, oh, awesome. in the snow. Uh, you know, that stuff like that. That's it, awesome. It's stuff that happens with the. <laughs> yeah, it was, it's a person it was you fun. wouldn't have met, and no, you, you like, never would have been. Doing three sixty. Several hours later, lot. we're just having you know the time of our lives. Yeah. Just you know, yeah. right? I mean, you know, I don't know. For me, it was it was a great experience for him. It might have just been like the way it, the do way you, it works over no, there. No, man. Find, <laughs> to, to share that with you, though, I mean, how fun is that? Oh, you know, I mean, like we're we're buddies. I'm gonna play up in Ann Arbor uh, this next time around, and I'm uh, Toledo's fifty three minutes south. I'm gonna probably shoot down to Toledo after I'm done. Mm. And yeah. hang out in Toledo. So, I mean, a lot of, uh, I could think of others. Houston, I played at a warehouse, and uh, the owner, again, she had a guest bedroom. And I said, sure, you know, why not? And there was a, a Dutch couple staying there um, via Airbnb. And I just, you know, was, I met my wife in Amsterdam, and we started talking all about that. And I mentioned to her the people I know, and they know them too, and et cetera, et cetera. You know, stuff like that. It's usually that. That's awesome. It's usually it's not always 360s in the parking lot, but... But that one stands out. <laughs> oh, yeah, Ryan. That was, that was amazing. Uh, yeah. Do you find that, like, uh, the types of people uh, that are hosting you vary in different parts of the country, like... Or is it kind of you feel like there's a, a, a similarity wherever you go? Hmm. Uh, not so. I mean, not there's a similarity. Uh, you know, for example, like uh, I stay with a guy named Toby in Long Beach um, not long ago, and um, you know, he and his wife moved from uh, I think it was the mid some Ohio. I think it was yeah Columbus. We were talking yeah. about Columbus, Ohio. Um, so I mean, a lot of these people, like Ryan, Ryan, I don't believe was from Toledo. Uh, yeah, a lot of the people, you know, you find that they're, they're they move around as as I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and the, but they eventually settle. Um, a lot of them sound creative. Yeah, there are a, a lot of creative types. I mean, Toby mm. was a marine biologist, okay. so he was a different. Different realm. Um, Toby's yeah. not that creative. No. <laughs> yeah. He's not that good. No, he was great. Sorry, Toby. Was, <laughs> You're just not that creative. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of the people are. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm able to catch up. It's funny. One of the one of the best things about festivals, for example, and I, I'm not necessarily a proponent, but I do think that there are some some pluses mm-hmm. to the you know, spectacle. Mm-hmm. Uh but for me, from my point of view, the best thing is that it's a reunion. Um, right. I get to see people I haven't seen in years. So I was doing a lot of that. I dropped in. Yeah, it's like knocking on somebody's door, like showing up at the bar. Like, hey, by the way, I'm here. 
Okay, well, your local cafe. We haven't yeah, I haven't seen you in a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so I would do that, like drop in unannounced on uh, different people. Like Matt Avero is a friend of mine. He used to play drums in Cold War Kids. Right. And uh, I was hanging out with him in Los Angeles. And it was one of these, huh, I, I think Matt lives somewhere in the area. I'm like, oh, I think I have his number. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, a lot yeah. of that. <laughs> do you? Um... It's like a lifestyle thing that like you're making this work for you in so many cool ways. I'm like, I'm actually thinking, I'm just like, dang, I'm giving me ideas. Like, right. It's like that. That's like how you want to live one's life. Like you're like integrating it into like how you want to live your life and the relationships you want to have and how sure. you want to nurture them and stuff like that. I go to know? these cities and I, and I and I scramble in my in my head. I think, you know, uh, do I know anybody here? I was just at a John Vanderslice's studio in San Francisco. Uh, I mean, you know, it's not dissimilar from a regular tour, right? Except for the fact that with a regular tour, you might know somebody in that town. But I'd you'd be hard pressed to find any time to right. to see them, even if you are there, unless right. they came to the venue. So right. So yeah. so that it's you going to see these, it's you going to see them instead of them coming to see you. Right. I mean, in a sense, when <laughs> yeah. you do these home, you know, home uh, concerts, do you think? What do you think the people that come to these concerts are there for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, because part of it is to hear the song stripped away. And a lot of people like that naked bare bones. Like, is what is this like without, you know, four synthesizers going over to, over top of it? Um, but another big part is uh, the last show I had in San Francisco. I, I always, as I say, and during the set, I open it up and ask if anybody has any questions about anything, you know. And... Most of them have to do with music, you know, and I think I like I like to talk about as as you know, yeah. I like to talk about uh, process. That's something I'm really interested in from every perspective. I'd like to see how people come to to finalize their ideas or mm. the the early stages. I just got this album by John Lennon. And it was early versions. I think people know about this, but the Strawberry Fields. He's done. He does a number of variations on right. it through, you know, uh, and a no- number of other songs across the universe. Early takes or B sides, alternative takes. Mm-hmm. I'm a total, uh, yeah, nerd for that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Just because I like to see why they might have made this particular decision, why they decided to leave this out. Right. Um, so people ask me about that, about the whole process. Uh, people usually don't get too technical. They ask where, you know, who influences me. It gives me a nice platform because they they ask questions that are the most basic questions and the best questions that right. journalists often just bypass altogether. Like what? Uh, for example, like influences, like having a, a specific thing in mind. Like who's your favorite band? <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's a more really deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. But it's it's more involved than that usually because it's usually right. one thing leads to another. Somebody else asks, you know, uh, well, I, I mean, I can hear that for this particular. And for me, just to say it, you know, for example, clap your hands. Say so yes, first record. Um, I get that satisfaction of it actually, like hitting somebody and them actually knowing. Oh, that's where it came from. Rather than 
saying it to a journalist and often getting it redirected into something completely different mm-hmm. when I when I do a, an interview. But um, so basically, uh, yeah. For example, clap your hands. See uh, the first song. I mean, I did that organ thing just to to sort of add and give a, a sense of uh, of like a the circus type of element. But a lot of that comes from listening to old hip hop stuff. Like like Gangstar will have mm. <laughs> at the beginning of a record they'll have something like sort of a tag on. Uh, right. You know, tribe called Quest, Black Sheep. They all they have these like. Tom Waits does that sometimes too, but right. a lot of it comes from like, here is a little introduction, and then we'll get into it. You know, so yeah. I mean, but just to get that sense of like, so it sounds like they come for the. There's there's a potential oh, yeah. for conversation. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a lot of a lot of it is that. It's and, not just to to be at a concert. It's it's a it's right. a it's a big group. Yeah, and everybody. Yeah, and everybody discussion. can talk to each other. I mean, I encourage that. There's like one part, like one time in the show where everything seems to just fall apart, <laughs> and everybody just almost talks. You know, just talks <laughs> together. That it's it's happened several times. Right. And I and I sort of sit there and and wait <laughs> for a second, and then I just go. I just start, and everybody's you know, little by little they quiet down. Ah. And then so you think you think people. When they st- when they when that show first starts and they first they're there for the first time, do you think that they are like scared to come to something like this? Like, you think that it's like intimidating, but then disarming at the same time? Yeah, and, I think you know? so. Yeah. yeah, and and afterwards, we all, you know, I talked to a number of people. I, I think, I mean, the show is from eight to nine fifteen. Although I've usually been pushing it much further than that, and then. uh then I usually I probably talk and uh, you know do autographs and photographs and stuff like that for a longer than my actual set afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. I don't, in fact, get out of there until about eleven thirty. But it's cool. It sounds like it's like you you, you are meeting hundreds of people. Yeah, yeah, it's, in, it's great. Know, in I the love space it. of a week, mm. which. You know, ironically, you play in front of two thousand people a night for a week, and you're not going to meet hundreds of people that week. I you're know. Gonna, you're going to meet uh, nobody, five. probably. <laughs> you're yeah. going to meet the staff of the venue. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Meet the bar. That's awesome. Well, and it talk about something that really solidifies the artist fan or community relationship. Yeah. To actually be able to have, I mean, you're talking about spending quality time with <laughs> right. these people. Yeah. Really, truly quality time. Yeah, it's sort of like where there's a will, there's a way. I mean, right. it's it's something that, uh, fortunately, I like it. I don't think it's for everyone, necessarily. I don't think everybody would, would take to it, but uh, especially to go one after another after another. But I really am excited every time I go yeah. <laughs> to somebody's And you, you were scared that even you were going to... Yeah, I was worried that I wouldn't. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I realized this is what I've been trying to get at since right. the beginning. It's awesome. So, <clears throat> yeah. Um, but you're right. To to bridge that gap has always been important to me. And then um, I'm not going to point any fingers, but I think at a certain point it, it turned in. I, I, I backed off a bit, and it turned into a much more conventional approach. of uh, To the band? Yeah, of yeah. The, the whole project. It was more... Uh, 
more a matter of uh, let's throw this out into the void and and uh, let's right. figure you know if, right. if they like it they like it but uh, it was what was lost was the idea that wait a second the way this started was by doing a year of shows for people you know and having in the first you know eventually you, you keep doing keep doing keep doing and then you recognize yeah there's the one guy who uh who we don't who's not a friend of ours yeah and then yeah you know you like that moment, and then you like, get oh. excited and you're like oh wow there's somebody Tell here me we don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then you know, and as it builds, I mean, and but and you talk to you talk to yeah. him, and you you are able to engage with people. And as it builds, you are you're just doing it. It's just like I remember you from you know show five or whatever right. because uh, how could I not yeah. recognize <laughs> you having been there? You know? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Well, and and I I guess you know you say that it's not necessarily for anybody, but just like you went through the like. Maybe this isn't for me, but oh, actually, this is really powerful and positive and rewarding. Like, yeah. I like talking about this, and I sort of like want to just say for the record, like, everybody consider this idea. Yeah. You know, like, it's a different way of thinking about things, it's a different model for thinking about things. You have different goals, you have different ideas, um, and they're really compelling. Yeah, and they and and I think they get to the heart at like of what in some ways like music and art are supposed to be. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Cool. Well, I'm gonna let you go. All right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, cool. guys. I'm, I'm thanks psyched. Thank you this. so much. That's right. Yeah, yeah this is good. Out here. <laughs> cool. Wowzers! Alec is such a smart guy. Yeah, and he's a great, great, great person. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Weathervane podcast is a production of Weathervane Music and was edited by Matthew R. Poyer. Today's theme music comes from a remix by Manu K. of the song Prisoner's Cinema, recorded for the Dead Milkmen episode of Shaking Through. You can check out the episode along with countless other remixes at weathervanemusic.org slash shakingthrough slash deadmilkmen. Your hosts are me, Brian McTeer, And Peter English, host of the new podcast, The Long Play. It's probably going to be okay to decent. (laughs) You jerk. You can decide for yourself at thelongplaypodcast.org. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Brian.